Well, friends, we are here at Balboa Park. Um, we're about to meet with Marco Went. He's a friend of mine for many years, and he is a avian specialist. Um, avian behavior has many, many years of experience. He has two birds of his own, a macaw and an African gray. He was nice enough to take some time off out of his busy day to come and, ch and chat with us and give us some advice as parent parents on how we can better provide an enriching experience for our companion parents. Cool. So what's your um, background? Ah, well, I, you know, I've been about 24 plus years of experience working all manners of wildlife, but I'm definitely an avian specialist and I've worked a variety from raptors, hornbills, cranes, generally in a zoo sort of setting, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, parrots are one of my absolute favorites, a big passion for parrots all over the world. Why is that? Oh, they're just such an intelligent species and they're what I would like to call a keystone species. A lot of different animals that fit different roles around ecosystems. So you have, you have tapers or uh, white bearded gnu, most people know them as wildebeest. And these animals are they're either seed dispersers or there's connectivity with other organisms. And for me, macaws represent that. You know, they are, I'm sure for all those owners out there, they're a messy bird generally, but for it's for a reason. These animals yep. are, are seed dispersers in those really intricate, vibrant rainforests all over the world, so I think they, they're a good representation of that sort of ecosystem, the vitality of those rich areas. Mm -hmm. um, you have parrots yourself at home, right? I do, yeah. 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 Tell us about them. Oh, yes, of course. You know, uh, I'm from a Latinx family, so parrots and wildlife is always something I knew growing up, uh, but especially with parrots, you know, knowing what I know about parrots, it wasn't something I dove into because of my professional background. I've worked with them in, in a professional setting, and when people know what I do for a living, you know, some, sometimes, uh, well, let me backtrack a certain fact that I'd like to point out, many uh, domesticated parrots in the United States, they go through about six to eight families in their wow. lifetime. They're long-lived yeah. animals, as pure as people know. Uh, it takes a little more investment to really take care of them the right way, I would say. Definitely more more of an investment than perhaps uh, a goldfish, as an example. Not to take away from the goldfish, but right. it definitely requires a little more a little more thought uh, to really maintaining these animals in a, in a nice, healthy, vibrant way. And so uh, I never really reached out on a personal level to actually have a parrot be part of my family. So generally it was friends who actually came to me for those same stories. You know, the, someone had passed away, for instance, or uh, another friend of mine actually was part of animal control and they found a parrot uh, in a big warehouse and asked me to take care of him. So now I, so now I have two, you know, but again, uh, knowing what I know, uh, they have a nice happy home uh, with myself and my husband. Cool. Uh, you have a macaw and a... Yeah, so I have a scarlet macaw and an African gray. And they come from different backgrounds, but sort of the, the theme overall still applies. Again, a lot of these poor birds, you know, they go through a lot of different circumstances with human beings. So it's really nice to have people like yourself and I to uh, open up our arms and welcome these citizens into our home. What would you say is the biggest factor of rehoming for birds? <sighs> the biggest factor? I think there's a lot of factors, but I think the right best factor I would think to look at is the, the life history of that individual. Sometimes a certain family might not be set up properly to, to house a parrot, for instance. So I think it's the right home, the right environment, and the right personality and the right education experience, I think, to really to really blend them in together so we can really solidify into a long-lasting relationship. Um, in captivity, we try to get them to live in our habitat. Yeah, you know, there's, a, there's a lot of aspects to think of. The number one thing I would say is 
do your research. And I come from a conservation background, so I really feel like I need to preface it with, before you do anything, find out where these animals are coming from. So uh, parrots are going through a lot of issues with habitat loss. Uh, wildlife trafficking is a big deal for parrots across the world. So knowing where these animals are coming from is probably your first step. But even prior to that, do the research and know what you're getting involved into. Because some of these birds, I'm sure you're aware, some of these can live 50, 60. I've known a cockatoo that was 82 years old. So there's a longevity, longevity aspect as well. But really, knowing one, for one, knowing where the animals are coming from is first thing. Educate yourself about these these species. And that each species is different. You know, African gray is very different than the highest of the coffer. Right. Or a cockatoo, right? right. And each one has certain different specificities, right? Yep. But just really expanding your, your knowledge about a certain species prior to actually obtaining an animal to be part of your family, I think is probably number one. Foraging is a hot topic. Uh, parrots, extremely smart animals. Some yep. of them are considered top five most intelligent animals on the planet. So I'm talking about elephants, dogs, dolphins, apes, pigs. Parrots are right up there. As far as the way you kind of interpret intelligence, some would even say they're about the equivalence of a two-year-old mentality. So think about that. And I always would say, parents, think about a two-year-old that can live 60 to 70 years with a pair of scissors in one hand and a blow horn in the other is kind of what I prefer. And not just me. One, right? I mean, one, they, the intelligence level is key. The longevity is a big deal. But also these animals in the wild, their beaks are constantly growing like our fingernails and our hair. So they need material enrichment in the wild. They would eat branches. Uh, they open up crevices in tree hollows, right, for nesting as an example. So really know which specific species you're working with for one and then try to incorporate those natural behaviors into whatever kind of enrichment or experiences you're trying to adopt into that environment for a parrot. And, you know, each parrot is different. So uh, there's certain aspects of my African gray, which he loves and, and thrives with, and contrary to what my scarlet macaw does as well. So know each one by just their personality and by species, and you can really have a lot of fun with it too. Again, you explore all different nuances all over the, the, the web. There's so many versions of toys. Uh, the easy, easiest thing, of course, you can make your own. Uh, you can also order them as well, but you know, you can get really creative as far as the kind of enrichment. You know, I even look at my plants in my area, and that's the other thing too, educate what kind of browse material is appropriate for the right species of bird. Uh, I know for my African gray, he absolutely loves ficus, so I tend to incorporate a lot of ficus for him. Though my scarlet macaw actually has a bit of a plucking issue, and that can be, I'm sure, an issue for a lot of parrot owners out there. I've curbed it to the extent that I can without using uh, medicine, and I'd like to keep her in that way. She's healthy, she's vibrant, a little bit of feathers have been plucked, but then I highlight certain attributes of uh, paper, uh, certain uh, plant material that kind of encourages that picking behavior. I've even used feather dusters as an example. So you can get really creative as far as that particular individual that you have in your home. Seasonal changes for parrots are, are a concern for some parrot owners. Can you talk about that? Yeah, of course. You know, every animal has certain nuance of breeding seasons, and some parrots will go through it year long. Others tend to think it's one particular set in the year and I think, it, again, it always depends on the species and depends on the individual as well. My scarlet, for instance, shows a lot of breeding behavior throughout the entire year also. But there are a lot of aspects to think about. Nutrition is number one, especially if you're going into a breeding season. And then, as we were referring to a little earlier, knowing what kind of enrichment, what kind of material you can offer for that particular animal when they're going through a particular period in their lives. You know, it's, I think it's probably a hot tip topic 
kind of issue. And if you try to curb certain behaviors, try to do it by utilizing their natural behaviors, for instance. So uh, my macaws is a good example. So during that heavy breeding season, she is plucking a lot more feathers around the abdomen, and she is looking to destroy more things in the wild. That's what they're going to be doing. They're prepping that area for sitting on a clutch of eggs. They're opening up a cavity like a ficus behind me right now is a perfect example. So knowing that in that portion of their lives, make sure they have that material they need. I've heard a lot of stories of uh, families perhaps not giving the appropriate sort of enrichment or toys for their individual, and that particular parrot maybe chose the couch, you know, or or sound system as an example, you know. So, but don't get too upset at your at your individual, your family member, because again, think about what they do in the wild. So I always revert to back know the natural behavior of that species and offer the right sort of stimulus and and objects around their environment that they would need to thrive, especially in that particular state in their lives. Emotions are a little more heightened as well. Some species can get more aggressive. I've heard of couples, some stories, even some couples divorcing because that macaw bonded with one individual and not the other, which is super common. This is a monogamous species anyway, so you really have to understand those aspects of those of those animals. So each individual is individual in their own right as well, but there's a lot of behavioral aspects you can do using operating conditioning, positive training, and you can help to curb certain unwarranted behaviors that you're not looking for, like maybe opening up a hole in your wall. That's an yeah, yeah. example. <laughs> um, one question that I get a lot is, why is my parrot screaming so much? Yeah, you know, there's yeah, well, there's there's a lot of aspects to that. Uh, they're a vocal animal for one. Think about these animals living in a thick, vibrant rainforest, and their calls have to travel for miles on end, really, to, to strengthen bonds, to set territories, and these are the species that do that. So I would say it's probably impossible to curve it completely, but there's ways to to shape it in a certain way. For instance, I'm big on training, so you can actually train a scream or a vocal, and that will actually help minimize that that scream. Also, know what you are responding to. This is a super intelligent animal, so a good example would be a parrot screaming, and you turn around and you say, no, quiet, you're actually reinforcing that behavior. They're so smart. All they really want is that attention. But there's ways to train and shape those behaviors in an appropriate way. So for, for me, there's so much wild out there that needs our support. And there's so many domesticated species that need so many homes out there. So whether it be a, a scarlet macaw, an African gray, a tarantula, a snake, a dog, or a cat, these animals, I've been surrounded by them my whole life. And they, they've uplifted me and they've given me the strength and vitality to live my life in a, in a vibrant, healthy way. And they can do that for you as well. But again, do your research. Know what the right animal is for your family before you just know, unknowingly go and purchase an animal and not knowing anything about their natural behavior. So parrots can be an amazing companion for the right individual. There's many organizations around the United States where perhaps there's a parrot out there just looking for that right mom, that right dad, uh, to find them and adopt them being part of the family. But they're out there. But Hopefully just... this will be the first of many interviews that we have with Marco for him to share his experience and expertise with us all. If you have questions that you'd like to ask Marco specifically about parrots, feel free to leave them in the comments below, and we will touch base with that on our next interview. Bye.